Hello and welcome to Spoken Like a Native podcast. My name is Diane. I'm an English teacher from Scotland and a devoted language learner. And this podcast is for those learning English to improve their listening and vocabulary with episodes on engaging topics like culture, current events, history and how languages work. If you want to improve your speaking and listening, head over to speakmeters.com where you can take part in small group conversations hosted by native speakers. This is an amazing way to boost your fluency, expand your vocabulary and increase your confidence by practicing with qualified, certified and selected native speakers who really enjoy helping people. There are sessions at a range of levels for English, French, Spanish and German, so book your first session today speakmeters.com and don't forget you can take part in this podcast by telling me your ideas for topics information about how to get in touch with us is in the description enough beating around the bush let's get this episode underway hello and welcome to episode five of the podcast this is an interview with sarah who's a host on speakmeters and it's a listening challenge for you guys so I have seven questions for you to pay attention for the answers to. Okay, are you ready? Number one, why did Sarah choose to study law? Number two, where did she go to university? Number three, what job does her husband do? Four, what was her first well-paid job as a young person? Number five, where does her father come from? Number six, in which country did she meet her husband? And lastly, number seven, what does she do as a job now? So Sarah and I had quite a long chat. Um, so I didn't want to cut out her life story. So what I'm going to do is we're going to have part one and part two. Listen out for the answers to the quiz at the end of this episode. So... Can I ask you about your, where are you from exactly? Well, I was born in the southeast of the country, uh, in England, sorry, the country, <laughs> as if everyone should know it was England just by my accent. No. Yeah. So I was born just south of Tunbridge Wells. And then mm -hmm. after my parents got divorced, I moved to be close to my grandparents who lived up in Sevenoaks, also in the southeast of England. Is that in, in Kent? Yes, it is. Right, okay. I'm a Kent and, uh, girl. Did you stay there uh, for a long time? I stayed there until I could escape. Okay. I escaped when I was 18 and went up to Birmingham University. Mm-hmm. Okay. And never really Was there any reason... Uh, so did you stay in Birmingham for a long time? Oh, no. No. No, no, no. I didn't want to go to Birmingham. In fact, I cried when I got my results and realised that was where I was going to go because mm -hmm. I had intended to go to Cambridge University. Hmm. Oh, okay. So what did you study at, at Birmingham? I did one of those Mickey Mouse degrees. I did law. <laughs> is, it a, is it a Mickey Mouse degree? No, it's not. <laughs> um, so why did you want to study law? I wanted to study law because <clears throat> it's kind of annoying. I was good at everything at school, 
And so I didn't have anything particular that stood out and said, oh, I really must do X. And then I'd been watching all of these TV shows and being a lawyer looked to be very glamorous. Mm -hmm. Which shows were you watching? Oh, L.A. Law and all those kind of things. But Mm -hmm. now that I'm married to a lawyer, I know it's not glamorous at all. No, it seemed to me like it's it's a lot of work. I think you can get paid quite well, depending on where you're working and what type of law, but it's it's a huge amount of work, I think. Yes. And so I'm taking it that you didn't practice or did you did you end up practicing? Well, I had every intention of actually becoming a barrister. Mm -hmm. Um, But I hadn't taken a year off after my A-levels and I had worked very hard at university. So I thought, oh, why don't I go and do a ski season, take a year off after, do a ski season and then take up my position at bar school. Mm -hmm. Where did you go and spend your ski season? Well, I never actually made it. Okay. What I did is I moved down to London, and because, of course, when you graduate, it's in the middle of the summer and there's no snow, I looked around for a job, and I found myself a job in the coolest. I went Mm -hmm. from being the cloakroom assistant at this place, never had so much money, to becoming the marketing manager of this group of very cool group of restaurants so this was this in london you said yes which which part of london was it piccadilly circus okay so imagine it was pretty busy very busy okay very exciting queues out out of the door and down the street how long did you work there i worked there for Four years, I think. Okay. So you didn't go, end up going and doing more so uh, practicing I law. didn't, no. I ended up moving into PR. Mm-hmm. So I did the, there was a PR consultant that was working with this restaurant group. But then uh, the owner decided, oh, why don't, Sarah, why don't I take you out of the the cloakroom? Then he made me the events manager, and then he put me to work with the PR consultant, and then he made me the marketing manager for the whole group, which involved doing the PR. Then mm-hmm. he decided that possibly we could use the help of another more established PR agency and he it's as if he sold me maybe I was like a little slave a PR slave how old were you at this time I would have been about 25 so then so you ended up working for another PR agency so I worked for a PR agency okay and then I worked with other clients which and and with the restaurant group I did some really really interesting 
events and I met some great people and we opened restaurant after restaurant. With the PR agency, I did even more fabulous events. I have been able, been very fortunate to be able to meet lots of famous uh, people and work on some wonderful projects. And then I met someone who... Um, who I hadn't seen for a while, and I said, oh, where have you been? He said, oh, I've been to Australia for the past year. Mm -hmm. I said, but you're too old. You know how there are these, um, to get to Australia, to be able to work there, you have to get a visa. Yeah. And they have, the young people get these visas easily. And I think you had to be under 25. But by this stage... I was over 25, and this man was also well over 25. I would have said that he was about 30. I said, how did you get a visa to be able to go out there and work? And he told me. And I said, well, hmm, well, maybe I could get an exceptional visa because my father lives in Australia. Oh, okay. So how come you're, you're, so you, it's, your parents divorced, so yes. your father moved to Australia? No, he was originally from Australia. Ah, okay, okay. And he came over, met my, um, he'd met my mother before, but he came over, had two children, and then unfortunately they got divorced, and he decided to go straight back to Australia. Mm-hmm. So I thought, oh, okay. I'd love to live in the same country as my father for a change. Okay, which which part of Australia? He lives in Melbourne. One of the with the PR agency that I worked with called Purple PR. Um, one of the clients was Australia's most famous fashion designer, and when okay. I managed to get myself a visa, um, I had to phone up this client, and I said, "Hey, I've got good news and bad news." Okay, what's the bad news? Well, the bad news is I'm leaving, so I won't be able to work with you anymore. The good news is I'm coming to Australia so we can have tea all the time. And she said, I've got better news for you. I need a PR. So come to Australia, come to Sydney, and come and be my international PR manager. So it was a great opportunity for you. It was a fantastic opportunity that... I, so I sorted the visa out and I sorted, I had a job and I flew over to Australia and I flew to Sydney. So I imagine it, it must have been easier if you'd been offered a job to have a, somewhere, you know, with the immigration. Well, to... they make exceptions and I went, had to go to Australia House and tell them why they should give me, make an exception for me, sorry. And I said, well, would the fact that my father is Australian, lives in Australia, is that a good enough exception? And they stamped my passport immediately. Right. Yeah. So like your family connection helps a huge... Well, yes, but I had... Uh, like the other people, I had a visa which meant that I could only work with someone for three months and then you had to move on to the next 
um, job and so on and so forth. And so I went over there with my visa intact and I thought, hmm, I really need to do something about this because I'm enjoying working for this company, this designer. Uh, Maybe I need to find out if I can get myself um, an extension or change my visa conditions. Mm -hmm. A more permanent Yes, I wanted permanent leave to remain, in fact. Mm -hmm. And then I was prepared, so I found myself a lawyer, and I was prepared to pay him many thousands of dollars to to help me out. But he... um, when I went to him, he said, he asked me what I was doing. And then he said, hmm, I'm not sure I can help you. Because in order to change your visa or your status, you would have to be working in a job where they couldn't find anyone else to do what you're doing. Mm-hmm. And quite frankly... From the country in the country, and they would have to have advertised the job, etc., etc. And quite frankly, Sarah, anyone could do your job and everyone would want to. (laughs) Okay. So I'm afraid I can't help you. I said, but surely having an Australian father must help me out. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, no, no. If it was going to be anything, it would be in this act. And um, I said, no, no. So I wrote this down. I then mm-hmm. went and looked up the law. Mm-hmm. And I found out that it said that to be able to get an Australian passport and Australian citizenship, you just need to do X, Y, Z, and a few more mm-hmm. other things. So I promptly set about getting myself an Australian passport. So I didn't pay this lawyer anything. Okay, so it wasn't it wasn't very complicated. It mm. wasn't too complicated. Mm. I had to pay about 150 pounds to get some documentation from the police in the UK. Mhm. Um, and I had to get my father to write to the immigration people and tell them why he hadn't um, declared me as an Australian citizen mm-hmm. when I was born. And okay. hey, presto, a few months later, I got my passport. Okay, so so how, how long was the time from arriving, first arriving in, in Sydney to, to having a... Australian passport. Three months. Oh wow, yeah, that's pretty, pretty good. It was good that you didn't pay a lot of money to the lawyer in the end. Yes, it was. Hmm. So, how long did you stay in Australia? Well, I stayed in Australia for about. It's it gets quite complicated because I then, after about three years. I had decided that I had done all I could working for this particular company. And mm-hmm. as this designer was really at the top of her game, 
I was looking around thinking, what else could I do? Because there's nobody quite like her, no one who compares, no one else who shows at Paris Fashion Week. Mm, you kind of reached the pinnacle. Yes. And then I had a friend there who suggested that I. she told me that she was leaving her job and going to Paris to go to the Sorbonne University. I've always wanted to do that. She said, well, why don't you? So had you always been thinking about studying in, in Paris? No, I just heard, you know, I'd heard about the Sorbonne. I'd been to Paris many times, but I'd never thought that about even applying to go there. Mm-hmm. And I followed this girl and we moved to France together. We signed okay. up for a language course, which is a pre admission to the university course and then whilst we were in France it all starts getting really complicated we essentially set up a business back in Australia won ourselves a major client and then went back to Australia at the end of the course rather than staying on and studying okay so I'm back to Australia then we set up this business and that was going really well. Was that a PR or no, it was kind of it was a um skincare business. So we were we set ourselves up as branding and importing and distributing mm-hmm. this particular product that ha- was hadn't been available in Australia. Okay. So we did that and then One of my friends in Australia said to me, Oh, Sarah, I'm really disappointed. You said that you could come to my wedding in... She was getting married in France. Mm -hmm. And your business partner has told me that you're going to be busy. I said, What? She knows that I want to go to your wedding. Okay, what was going on there? So what was going on there... It turns out that she said to me, ah, I didn't think that this was actually going to be a success. I wanted to take your money to start the business, Mm -hmm. but I don't actually want to share the rewards. Okay. She said that to you directly. Well, it took a long... I am condensing this. Yeah, (laughs) But yes. Okay. And she actually said, if you don't give me, sign over your shares to me, I will make sure that this company never makes a profit. Not a very good friend. No, not very good. And so... So what happened then? So I then, I had managed, when I had been in France before at the Sorbonne, I'd managed to find myself a French boyfriend I phoned him up and told him what a terrible time I was having he said Sarah go to the airport and there will be a ticket waiting for you to bring you back to France which I did and then I got back to France and a few days later I was sitting on the back of his his moped driving round the uh Arc de Triomphe, when I was hit by a car. We were hit by a car. 
and I was tossed over the car bonnet and I decided to bite the road and break my leg. So I was scooped up and never made it back to Australia. Wow, okay. When 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 did this happen? Can um what, what year was this? Two thousand and oh goodness, I can't remember. Two thousand and thirteen, something like that. Okay, so about ten years ago. Yes. Okay. So... Oh no, it would have been more than that. Okay, so like between two thousand two thousand and ten or something. Yes. Okay. So you got in this accident. Um, did you have? So you broke your leg. Did you have any other injuries? Or was it um, a long recovery? Well, I broke. I I bit the pain. I bit the roads, which knocked out my teeth. Some of my teeth, not all of them. But happily, my mother is a dentist, so she was able to fix that. I was battered and bruised and actually quite fortunate because sometime afterwards my then boyfriend told me that when I was at the hospital the medical team that were caring for me actually spoke to him about the fact that they might have to cut off my leg amputate my leg okay but happily they saved it Oh, that's good. <laughs> wow. You said that then you didn't, um, you didn't end up going back to Australia. So have you been in France since then? No. No. Okay. I went back to, eventually, I went back to England and I set up my own PR company. Okay. And are you, but you're in France now? Yes. Okay. And is it right that you're an English teacher now? Yes. Okay, so how did you end up doing that? Okay, so I set up my own PR company, um, all was going very well. I was then in New York with a client, woke up one morning and thought, hmm, I really shouldn't have worn those those fabulous shoes that I've been running around the city in. I can't walk very well. Turns out that some... Once I got back to the UK, and I had to go, my walking got worse and worse, and I had to go straight from the airport into the hospital where they discovered that I had multiple sclerosis. I'm not sure if I know. I mean, I have a kind of vague idea about what the condition is, but do you mind kind of explaining what it is? So, essentially, it is... My body is atta- attacking itself and it's attacking the myelin sheath that surrounds the nerves. And that then, it comes in different forms. I had relapse re- remitting MS mm-hmm. um, rather than progressive MS, which is okay. the MS that you see when people end up inevitably in a wheelchair. Yeah, it just gets worse and worse and yes. lose their mobility. Yeah. Okay, so so your form is. Um, does that mean that it kind of it changes a lot or no? Is the pro- I am no. I am considered to be fairly stable, but I'm very okay. lucky because the the d- 
disease-modifying drugs that are now in existence or can be extremely effective. Mm -hmm. So I have... So anyway, I have got this disease, but I, I don't let it define me. Mm -hmm. I then okay. had this French boyfriend from when we had the accident who I thought I was going to marry, and I even was given a beautiful engagement ring. But could I get him to decide on a date? No, I couldn't. <laughs> okay. And so after being with him for 10 years, I realized, hmm, he's just not going to do it, is he? Mm. So I said, I'm afraid we're going to have to split up. I do not want to end up 50 and unmarried. So we split up and I went on a mission to find myself a husband. I found myself a husband two weeks after splitting up with my boyfriend. In, in Paris? No, I found him in London at the French house, bizarrely. Okay. And so I'm now married to him and... He studied French at university and he happened to have, he's a lawyer, and he happened to have some money burning a hole in his pocket. So we thought, hmm, why not buy an apartment in Paris, which we did. That's the end of part one. I hope you've enjoyed the episode. Now for the answers to the quiz. So question one. Why did Sarah choose to study law at university? So the answer was she didn't know what to study, but she had watched a lot of legal dramas and the job looked glamorous. As we discussed, it in reality isn't actually that glamorous. It's actually a huge amount of work. How about you? Do you like to watch legal dramas? Like uh, programs where the action is all based around court cases? Question two was, where did she go to university? She went to university in Birmingham. Did you know that Birmingham is the second most populated city in the UK? Question three, what job does her husband do? Her husband is a lawyer. Question four, what was her first well-paid job as a young person? And the answer as a cloakroom assistant in a bar slash restaurant in London, in Piccadilly Circus. Very busy place. Number five, where does her father come from? Her father comes from Australia. Number six, in which country did Sarah meet her husband? And the answer to that was she met him in England, in a kind of French uh, association cultural exchange place. And so the last question for today, what is Sarah's job now? Did you get that one? Sarah is now an English teacher. So how did you do? How many out of seven did you get correct? If you got less than five, go back and listen again. Soon we're going to be making transcripts available for you with some vocabulary. And so you can listen along with the transcript if you're finding it hard to follow. And remember, if you need to practice your English or French or Spanish by speaking in a lovely, friendly environment, please join up SpeakMeters. Thanks for listening. What do you think about today's topic? 
Remember, you can get in touch by leaving a comment or by joining the Speak Meters community. Follow Speak Meters on Instagram and subscribe to Spoken Like a Native on your favorite podcast platform. You can also leave a comment and like the stream. Please, please, please leave a review. It really helps us to find new listeners who are looking for fun language learning content. And lastly, don't forget to head over to speakmeters.com to take part in live conversations hosted by friendly native speakers. That's all for today. Catch you next time. Bye.